How many of you love the Lord? Say amen. How many of you appreciate Pastor Casey last Sunday? I did. I, I, hey, I did. I was watching. We had the day off Sunday, uh, and uh, we went on a little journey. Uh, Tom Schaefer and his family and us and Conan and Shelly, we went to a place on the beach and had a great meal. And, uh, and I listened to Pastor Casey's message when I had good service off and on. And I would encourage you to uh, uh, get back online. I suppose I could still there on Facebook Live or maybe our website. Uh, if you missed last Sunday, you know, what a great message uh, from Pastor Casey. So we appreciate him so much today. I'm jumping back in. Everybody say jump back in. I'm jump, jumping back in on the theme of, pardon me, power. <laughs> I'm going to cough today. Power up. Everybody say power up. Turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1. This has been our keynote verse. I want you to kind of, we're going to give it a greater context today. This is, I think, is going to really help you uh, um, really obtain what God has for you and be able to experience things you've never experienced before. Uh, in fact, I just gave Shannon and Shelly a little word from the Lord that I think is really maybe for all of us. God wants to take us places we've never been before, to do things we've never done before, to give Him greater levels of praise and more honor than we've ever been able to give Him before. Uh, somebody give somebody a fist bump and say, Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. We can do this. I think God has something special for us today, and if you're watching by way of Facebook Live, or even later by way of the recorded message today, hey, I want to encourage you that God has something supernatural for you today. So, Second Peter chapter one, you got? Have you got your place there? You there? Are you there? If you're there, say I'm there, Pastor. Hold your place, and let's pray, and let's say, God, open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us today, Father. Today, we just ask you. To, to help us, Lord. We open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us this morning. And Lord, may your word bring great revelation and light into our heart and transform us for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Our keynote verse, really, even it's just the first part of a verse, verse three says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has a, uh, has Pardon me. Blessed be the, I'm reading two translations here. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who ha, according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I just read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Now let me get to the correct one. I don't think you can edit, edit that on Facebook Live. So there it went to the whole world. Let's look at the, the verse, the proper verse. His divine power. Somebody say he made it, Jesus. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, the New Living Translation just says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. How many of you know that's a great blessing? <coughs> so we have what we need. We just need to learn to appropriate it into our lives. And this keynote power-up principle I've been giving you over and over, I want to give it to you again, and that is this. Accessing God's ongoing supernatural power to live a godly life 
requires our ongoing supplemental participation. Let's throw that up on the screen so you can see that once again. uh, The power up principle, accessing God's ongoing supernatural power to live a godly life requires our ongoing supplemental participation. How many of you know you got to participate with the purposes and plan of God for your life? If you just think it's just going to slap you upside the head uh, without your involvement, you, you're sadly mistaken. And so, so we've been learning that from all kinds of ankle, angles, from the place of prayer, from the gospel of God's sake, and so many other angles. This morning, I'm excited to tell you. In fact, last Sunday, I started chewing on this in, Ato, in Atoyak up on the balcony. I don't know if you watched Breakfast with Champions last Sunday. I was up on the balcony. I got fired up about today, last Sunday. Uh, and I want to talk to you today about powering up with the promises of God. How many of you know God's a God of great promise? Amen. And so uh, we're going to talk about those promises. And I want you to see the greater context now of this verse that I just read to you. In fact, I'm going to go back and read it in its fuller context and, and begin in verse one and read all the way to verse four. Here we go. Simon, this is chapter one uh, of Second Peter. Simon Peter, an bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now catch verse four, by which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious, what? Promises. By what? By his grace, by his gifting, by his divine power, he, by, by, by all that he has supplied us, he's also given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, now catch this, through the promises of God he's talking about, through the promises of God, through these, you may be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, how many of you remember the first part? His divine power has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. And then we, he gets on down and he blows us up a little bit. He said, now he's also giving you his promises. And through this, these exceedingly great precious promises, if you appropriate them into your life, uh, guess what happens? You become partakers of his divine nature and you can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. How many of you like that idea? I was talking to Jim just a few moments ago, and he was talking about this world we live in. That the day it could be a modern day days of Elijah, when it was a season of great uh, 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 trouble in the land and and sinfulness in the land, and how God needed to do a great work. How many of you know God needs to do something great in our midst? Amen. And so these promises have the power to to work with the <coughs> power of God and with the will of God over our life to give us the capacity, the ability to tap into the divine nature of Jesus Christ and escape this corruption that is in the world through lust. How many of you know Jesus prayed for us in John 17, though we're in the world, we shouldn't be of the world. How many of you want to appropriate that into your life? And it begins today with the promises of God. We're going to power up with the promises. Now, the power of a promise, 
Let me just ask you, have you ever had someone make you a promise and then break the promise? This world is filled with people who have shattered dreams and broken promises. Hey, 50% of, the, of, of marriage into divorce. And how many of you know that all began with a promise and a covenant that was broken? And so people understand, in fact, the power of a promise has lost its... When you hear someone say, man, I promise you, man, you go, yeah, right. How many of you know the world's naturally skeptical about people's promises? In fact, here's what you... Uh, the promise is only as good as the goodness of the one who promised it. I'm going to say that again. A promise is only as good, it's only as valuable as the goodness of the one who promised it. If somebody promises you something that, uh, that, is un- that are unfaithful, uncaring, and, 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 and self-serving, that promise is, uh, is only as good as their character. That's what I'm trying to say. How many of you believe that to be true? Now, there's a few people in my life, not, uh, my family excluded, of course, that when they tell me, I promise you, I just know it's going to happen. Pastor Ron Hammonds, over the years, to his detriment, he would promise things that were going to cost him dearly. And he would, he would promise to the, and he would do everything in his power. To, he's a man who keeps his word. He's a man who keeps his promises. Be sure and take that back when you go back. There you go. He really is. Now, I'm reminded this morning, and I don't have any of my kids here. They're all out serving the Lord. Nathan, of course, is in Arvada, Colorado, leading worship this morning. And Stacy and Brent, I think, are there as well. Uh, but my kid, Beverly will remember this. Years ago, we went to SeaWorld. Yippee! Everybody go, yippee! We all dressed in little yellow and white shirts. We all looked like a little tribe. That was so we could all keep up with each other. And the big attraction in SeaWorld was Shamu the killer whale. Now that, now all the tree huggers and everybody, I don't know that, I don't know if Shamu's still there or not, or if he's dead or in Shamu heaven. I, I'm sure when he left, a lot of the ticket holder people, I don't know, but we went to see Shamu. We were in awe, and we watched as the trainers came out. How many of you ever seen Shamu the Killer Whale? And he would come out. His grand attraction was he would come around the arena swimming, and he would come up, and he would, I'll call it, spit on the crowd. Anybody ever been spit on by Shamu? All right. So so we go see, and and so we're kind of, we didn't realize that. And so we were up a little higher, and here he came, and he was spewing on everybody down low. And my kids, they... They were just, and, and, and they were going, we want to be spit on by Shamu. And so as their father, I said, don't worry. We'll come back to another showing later in the day. I spied out the key spittle places. And I said, we'll come early and I'll position you. And I promise you, you will be spit on by Shamu. So later in the day, we got back early. I sat down. I figured the first place he comes out, that's, I got right there. I, tied, I positioned it. 
And no kidding. Here we go. And ladies and gentlemen, it's so good to have you at uh, SeaWorld today and today for our grand attraction. Let's give it up for Shamu, the killer whale. And, and here he comes swimming, jumps up in the air, poosh, comes around. Everybody's all. And here he comes around to our section. Our kids are right there. They're all up. Daddy promised them. And Shamu comes up. And it, I, I promise you this. He comes right up and then he looks at us and goes, ain't doing it. And goes back down. And my kids looked at me. And so, so I, I thought, uh-oh, we're go- is there another showing? Of- and so they looked at me like, you promised. And so the whole show, I'm just sitting there, God, I promised these kids. And they were brokenhearted. So after the show was over, they were all still sitting up there kind of, and we had kind of moved up as people left. We're about halfway up. And I'm trying to tell them, sometimes dad says, and I look around. And down where we were sitting, some little kid had a private showing with the trainer in Shamu. And he was about to spit on. I grabbed all three of my kids in two arms. I only have two arms. I got two on one one. And down the step, not down the aisle, down the step, boom, 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 boom. Shamu comes up. I threw him in there in the middle of this kid's private showing. And he went, <laughs> he spit all over everybody. Now, the little kid that was supposed to have, he kind of, and they're all, my kids are, yeah, <laughs> they're all doused up. And I looked at them so confident, I said, Daddy never breaks a promise. (laughs) True story. And it taught me about the promises of God. That sometimes we look at life, we go, God, I'm not sure about this. But listen, folks, the promises of God, if we'll learn to appropriate them in our life, they'll become reality in our life. And help us become more like him. See, most people, when they think of the promises of God, they think God's promises to bless me and help me. And that's for the narcissist in you. The promise of God uh, ought to be, from what I read here this morning, empower us to say nope to dope. Are you with me? And to, be, and to live like Jesus and become more like him and, and be victorious in the earth. Amen. And so... I'm excited about powering up with the promises of God today. And I was just thinking last week, God's first, think about this. uh, Before you put this up on the screen, uh, God's first promise in Scripture. Think about it. Does anybody know what the first promise of God in Scripture? Now, they say there's over 3,000 promises in Scripture. But I know the first one and the last one. Let me tell you, the first one and the last one, if those were the only two I knew, it'd be all right with me. If I just knew the first one and the last one, it'd be all right with me. And here's the first one. The first promise in Scripture began, of course, in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. You look it up later. But basically, the the Lord is speaking to the devil, to the serpent, and he promises him this, that this woman and her seed are going to bruise you. 
And no longer will you be able to, you're going to be on your belly everywhere you go. And, and basically, God is cursing the serpent and he's promising him of his, of his punishment and his ultimate doom. Now, that, now for the devil, of course, it was a promise of punishment. But it says that her seed, not seeds, her seed, speaking of, uh, of Eve's seed, and if you, if you know anything about Scripture, you go to Galatians 3.16. We'll probably look at it in a little different way in just a few moments. Galatians 3.16, in reference to Jesus, said, He is the seed. And so the first promise in Scripture is punishment on the devil and the promise of victory for all humanity through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Somebody say amen. So the first promise of God is the promise of Jesus and his ultimate victory over the devil, over sin, Satan, and the whole world. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. That's a great promise. Look at somebody, give them a fist bump. That's a great promise from God. Man, that's the promise of Jesus Christ coming and dying on a cross. Uh, Though uh, Genesis does not elaborate on this, we know from the his, his story that that's how he became victorious over Satan, over sin, uh, is through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the first promise in Scripture for all of us is the promise of victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, the last promise in Scripture. Now, and, and I love this because God promised this, this many times in Scripture, but the last promise in Scripture is found in Revelation 22.20. Revelation 22.20, just before the end of the book, he promises this again. He says, oh, oh, by the way, behold, I come quickly. Everybody say, he's coming quickly. And you know what? If you, if you read 2 Peter chapter 3, I believe, uh, or maybe First Peter, it's this elaboration that the world said, he promised he was coming, but he hadn't come. He hadn't done this. And, and then that's where uh, uh, Peter says this about Jesus, that, that, hey, you know, he's not slack concerning his promise, and, and we've just got to endure and trust and believe. <coughs> and so and he's promised this over and over. What did, he tell, he, what did the angel say when he... he Went into heaven, Jesus there. He told the disciples, the angel said, hey, why are you stare gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who you see leaving, he's coming again. Everybody say, Jesus is coming back. Tell somebody, Jesus is coming back. That's a promise. So, hey, I can, if I just had those two promises, it'd be all right with me. I got victory in Jesus over, the, over sin, Satan, and the world, and he's coming back to get me. Amen. Everybody say Amen. Most people don't even believe either one of those. I'm telling you. Come on now. Those are the first two. And scattered between those two, uh, according to uh, some people who are smarter than, than I, there's 2,998 more in there in different places. God's a God who keeps his promises. Amen. And so we can embrace that. In fact, Here's one, here's a big promise. Most people, when you think about the promises of God, you think about God's promise to Noah uh, and, and really to all humanity by the rainbow. The rainbow is a promise that God will what? He will never destroy the earth by water again. Some of us during these rainstorms, you'd wonder if God was keeping his promise or not. But that's a promise from God. 
In fact, I don't know if you saw this on Facebook. Let me just show you this. I just love this. Carmen took this picture a few weeks ago. See if we can slap that picture up there. Let me just show you this one. Uh, drum roll, please. Can we get it up there? If we can't, let me know. I got people back there. A picture I want you to see. Is it coming? There it is. Did you see that? Carmen snapped this the other day, a couple of Sundays ago, I think. Uh, the rainbow, the promise of God over our church. I just thought that was cool. Amen. And that rainbow is, it represents the promises of God, the promise of God. Here's one. Thank you so much. Uh, here's one. And most of us uh, don't, we just kind of move past it. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the great commission, right? Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. The Great Commission. Y'all remember that, right? But here's one right here. Catch this. His last words were a promise. And, And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What a promise from God. Amen. And so the promises are powerful. God is a God who keeps his promises. And if he promises you, you can be spit on by Shamu. You can bank on the promise. Are you with me? Say amen. God never breaks a promise. Now, we're going to learn how to appropriate these promises uh, in Scripture. In fact, if you, uh, just for the sake of context today, uh, the King James Version references over 50 places where the word promise or promises is used. And so... So he's, there's a lot about the promise of God, especially in the New Testament, and about his promise over our lives. And so I want to give you a promise principle for today. Here it is. This is what you and I've got to embrace today. Our participation with the promises of God is paramount in order for the promises to be productive in our lives. Let's read that out loud together. Our participation with the promises of God is paramount in the... Let me ask you, parents, have you ever promised your kids something? Do you ever promise them they get spit on by Shamu? Do you ever promise them something like this? If you'll clean your room for a week, I'll take you to Quenchy's and get a snow cone. You ever do that? You put a condition on the promise. That's the way God is, by and large, with the promises of God. Thus requiring us to participate with his promises. Are you with me? So, in fact, if you went back to that Matthew 28, it could be said, though we know from other passages of Scripture, that his promise that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Some could maybe link that to those who are fulfilling the great commission that he's going to be with us to the end of the age. And that is true. Uh, and I, I believe his manifest presence is more viable in the middle of, of a people who are doing everything they can to fulfill the great commission than maybe it is with people who may be born again, but living in kind of a, a, a narcissistic self serving kind of mindset. Uh, but we know from scripture that he never forsakes us. He'll never, he's with us always. There's a promise, but there's always conditions to the promises of God. Now, here we go. I want you to turn somewhere. Second Corinthians chapter one, 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, I'm going to give you maybe a simple translation or paraphrase. I'm going to give you a paraphrase of a verse uh, in, in the first, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. In the New King James, it says this, For all the promises of God in Him are yes. Now, God, God's the God of pr- the promise, right? The promises of God. In him, that's a big H, in Jesus they are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, let me just give you a little better, maybe paraphrase to help you understand it and help kind of undergird this mindset of our participation with the promises of God. It, it basically can read like this. God gives the promise. Somebody say it. God gives the promise. Are you with me? And then it, and then Jesus says yes. Say, Jesus says yes. And we say, amen. Everybody say, God gives the promise. Jesus came along through all his life, said, you can trust the promise of God. Yes. And we hear the promise of God and we see Jesus saying yes. And we just go say, amen. So be it. Everybody say, so be it. That's what amen means. And, and, and that verse basically, uh, it's a three-way, if you will, it's a trilogy of, of insight to obtaining the promises of God in our life and appropriating the promises of God in our life. God can give a promise and Jesus can say yes, but if we don't say Amen, or so be it in my life, we're going to miss the benefit of the promise of God in our life. All right, if you catch it, smile and nod. If you don't smile and nod, I think you don't understand me. And if you don't understand me, I keep repeating myself over and over and over again. And so if you smile and nod, we'll keep moving along. Amen. Or you can say, say amen. Everybody say, God gives the promise. Jesus says yes. And we say, amen. Everybody say amen. See, amen is not just what you say at the end of a prayer. It has a meaning. If you pray and you say amen, you're praying and you're seeking God. And then you say, so be it, Lord. Amen. So let me give you, let me just tell you, I'm going to give you simple stuff today, but it's a lifestyle of learning that you're going to have to take. It's simple stuff. Uh, And so let me give you three thoughts about this, this participation uh, with the promises of God. Number one, you got to know the giver of the promise. That's what I said about Pastor Ron. If I, I know him. If he promises me something, I know he's going to do everything to his detriment to fulfill his promise. I know him. When you look through Scripture, you realize that those have gone before us, the forefathers of our faith, and the, and the you could say the foremothers of our faith, not four as a number, but F-O-R-E. You think of Abraham, everybody says, and Abraham is called the father of our faith, but Sarah had to have faith too. In fact, it says about herself, even though she was beyond her years, she undoubtedly knew the God of the promise. In fact, look over to Hebrews 11. It's the faith chapter. We're going to jump around here a little bit. And I just thought I'd throw Sarah in there because she gets such a bum rap so many times. But it says this about her in verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. 
she judged him faithful who had promised. Let me just read between the lines here a little bit about Sarah. She knew the giver of the promise enough to know he's faithful. And if he promised something, just as her hubby Abraham did, if he promised it, he will do it. She had relationship with him. She knew the giver of the promise, just as 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 Abraham knew the giver of the promise. And if you want to go back to the left, just look at Galatians. I, that's where I said I would I, I would jump in there. Galatians chapter three. It says this again in verse eighteen. It said, well, if you want me to confirm that earlier verse, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed, big S, were the promises made. He did not say, and to seeds as of many, but as one, and to your seed who is Christ. So, so we're talking, you remember, I told you that, said that earlier, but look in verse 18. And for this is the inheritance. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham as a promise. God gave Abraham a promise. Abraham and Sarah and Abraham, they knew the God or the giver of the promise. And when you get to know him, you'll be as Sarah, I've trust him. I've judged him faithful. And, and, and because he's faithful, I know what he promised he will do. Are you with me, Satan? Number two, not only do you, you got to know the giver of the promise, you see, you, if you don't know Jesus, you can't be a beneficiary of his promises. It's for his seed. And we are Abraham's seed. In fact, if you go down to verse 20, oh gosh, let me jump down. Verse 29, and if you are Christ, then you are, in other words, if you know Jesus, if you belong to Jesus, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the Promise. So you got to know the Lord. You've got to know the giver of the promise. The promises of not are, of God are not blanket to a whole world. They're, they're for those who know Him. Are you with me? Say amen. Know the giver of the promise. Number two, you know, you got to know the promise of the giver. You know, the Bible says, my people in Hosea, it says this in Hosea chapter, oh, I think it's two or three. It says this, uh, my people are destroyed. No, it's chapter four. Uh, my people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. And I'm convinced that people who are born again, who know the giver of the promise, but don't know the promises of the giver. Do I have to read my Bible? No, you get to, there's, there's, 3,000 promises of God that if you'll get a hold of them and begin to appropriate them, not only will you be a beneficiary of the promise of God, but you'll become partakers of his divine nature and you can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. My friend, the more we know the promises of God, the more we are able to appropriate the promises of God. If you don't know he's promised something, how are you ever going to be a recipient of the promises of God? You got to know the giver of the promise and you got to know the promise of the giver. Are you with me? Say amen. And then number three, and this is where we'll branch off. You got to know the guidelines of the giver of the promise. The giver of the promise who is God. God everybody say, God give the promise. Jesus says yes. We say, 
Amen. You've got to know the guidelines, or could I say it a different way, the conditions necessary, the guidelines of the giver of the promise. That's number three up there. And so when we embrace the guidelines, the conditions that are necessary for, for these promises to be made manifest in our life. You, and, and so this morning, th- this is where it gets real simple, but a lifestyle of living required. Okay. I want to give you three, I'm going to call them interlocking guidelines for receiving and appropriating the promise of God or the promises of God. They're all locked together. They're all linked together. You can't have one without the other. And so, so, but I want to show them to you in a fashion where maybe you can embrace them today to be able to appropriate. And as we said earlier, participate with the promises of God in your life. The first one is, of course, uh, the guideline of faith. The Bible says it is a lot. Now catch this. The Bible says it's allotted to every person a measure of faith. Did you know lost people have faith? They just haven't appropriated it yet. Some people believe that lost people are lost and have nothing within them that is of value or that they're totally depraved. Yeah, we're lost and without Christ, but we're created in his image and he's given us a gift of faith that if we'll use what he's given us, it's the guideline of faith. Let me just show this to you. Are you ready for some Bible study? Say, I'm ready, Pastor. Go to Romans. Let me just show you some things. Go to Romans. Take a left. Romans chapter 4. Oh, man, there's so much here. It's talking about the promise of God and Abraham, of course. Romans 4, gosh, I may just read it and comment. For the promise, verse 13, that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of what? Faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law, in other words, you can't just obey rules and get the promises. You gotta have faith. Everybody say you gotta have faith. And so he goes on and elaborates. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him. That's big. That's Jesus, who, whom he believed, God, or God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened. Strengthened in what? Faith. Giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had, what he had promised, he was able to perform. You catch that? And therefore it was accounted to him, what? For righteousness. Abraham believed God. And as a result of his faith, the promises of God began to unlock in his behalf. Go back to Hebrews again. I, I'm, I'm taking you back and forth. Everybody say back and forth. 
Back and forth. Back to Hebrews, if you go back to that faith chapter, it certainly uh, outlines the understanding of this. Verse 17 says this, by faith, (coughs) Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, and Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob, so on and so forth. So we see this faith is, is vitally necessary. If you're going to obtain the promises, you gotta, you got to have faith in the promises of God. And you know what? From day one, the devil has tried to get man to doubt the promises of God. From day one, the devil has tried to rob humanity of their faith in the God of the promise. Because the devil does not want us to be beneficiaries of the promises of God. Because the promises of God, uh, uh, hey, he's coming back. We're going to heaven one day. How many of you appreciate that? I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to hell. I start to say, you can go if you want, but I'm going to do that. I'm not going to hell. Why? Because I know the God of the promise. I know the promise of God. He said he's coming back. He's preparing a place for me. And he'll come back and receive us to himself. And there we'll be with him always. That's the promise of God. He's coming back. I'm going to heaven. I'm all happy about that. But from day one, the devil has tried to undermine the God of the promise and the promise of God before humanity. What did he do with Adam and Eve? Oh, hath God said? Are you sure about those promises? Are you sure about what he said? In fact, Jesus, let me go over to Peter. I'm just jumping in here. This is, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, it says, chapter 3 of Second Peter, it says this, knowing this first, verse 3, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. He said, he's coming again. He hasn't came. Where is he? That's the devil. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that when existed perished being flooded with the water. Man, he's just going down. And then he says, verse 19, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that we all should come to repentance. So it, just because it didn't happen in their lifetime, in fact, it says in the faith chapter that people saw the promises of God from afar off. And even though they didn't experience it personally, they died in faith knowing that God was still a God of promise. So it's the guideline of faith, number one. Number two, which is undeniably linked at the hip and interlocking with faith, it's the guideline of obedience. In fact, in certain passages of Scripture, and you study Scripture, yeah, and in Romans and in Hebrews, especially in Hebrews in the early... 
obedience and faith are almost synonymous. It's they talk about well, he he didn't believe God and he didn't obey God, so so they're undoubtedly linked at the hip, if you will. But just for the sake of context today and us learning uh, to appropriate and receive the promises of God, uh, you and I need to realize this: that if God promises us something, there's undoubtedly something we need to do in order to obtain uh, that promise. There is a condition to the promise of God. We must meet the condition to manifest the fruition of the promise of God in our life. Can I just show it to you in the Bible? Just in case you might be doubting me this morning. I just want to show it. Well, let's just run through. Let's just go, go all the way back to Genesis. I know you can handle this. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at this when it, in reference to Abram, who would later be called Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country. Now, catch this. Here comes some direction. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, in other words, you got to get up and get going. I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but you better get going. Look at your neighbor and say, you better get going. Better get going. He said, I'll show it to you, but you got to get going. To a land, uh, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And here comes promises. Man, this is, this is an Abrahamic covenant, okay? To a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Somebody say, Amen. What a promise from God. But what was the condition or the guideline? You better get going. You start moving. A lot of people read the promise, and I claim that in the name of the Lord. Some of you ever did your pick a promise out of Scripture, a little loaf of bread, the bread of life promises. You reach down there and pick a promise, kind of like charismatic uh, incantations. You go, you know, and you claim the promise. You ever done that? You ever go, Jesus, speak to me. I need a word from you. Kind of like this. You're charismatic in Canada. You go, and you hope that's the word of the Lord to you. That's the way a lot of people do with the promises of God. You heard about the guy. He went, oh, Jesus, speak to me. And Judas went out and hung himself. No, no, I, I don't claim that. You got to be careful. But, but look, it, you know what it says in Genesis 12? It says, you've got to get up and get going, and I'm going to make you a great nation. You're, this, you the man. Everybody say, he's the man. He was the father of our faith. you the man. You've got to get going. And so he, he says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. You get it? Let me give you another one. Man, that ought to do it. Oh, man, this one. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Man, if you read Deuteronomy 28 and you don't get it after reading Deuteronomy 28, we need to, we need to cast the spirit of confusion out of you because this is not confusing. Deuteronomy 28, I could read the whole first part. Now it shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments. What are we talking about? Obedience. 
carefully all his, uh, to observe carefully all his commandments. Let me just pause. Some people just want to obey a couple. <laughs> I just do a couple. Surely you can do seven out of ten, maybe six out of ten, five, maybe even three out of ten. Surely I can squeak by with just obeying a couple. Uh, you know, some of them I just don't know if they really apply today. That's the Old Testament, you see. If you diligently obey to observe all the commandments which I should command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body. And on and on and on and go. And ladies, he'll even bless your kneading bowl. I don't think any ladies even use a kneading bowl anymore, but if you get one out, he'll bless it. And the only way he'll bless it is if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, the guidelines to obeying God's word, it's not just pick a promise and just say, oh yeah, Jesus, you promise you got to do this for us. No, it's obeying the voice of the Lord your God. Now, if you really want to get blessed, move past the blessings and get over verse 15 to the cursings if you don't obey. No, nobody wants to read those. Pastor, don't read those cursings. We don't want to be cursed. If you don't want to be cursed, obey the command of God and trust the promises of God. So what's the guideline of obedience? What did God tell Joshua when Joshua took over uh, uh, for, for uh, no, not Noah, but for Moses? Thank you. You'd think I would know the, the primary characters of the Bible. God took over for Moses. And what did he tell him? He said, listen, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, you're moving into the promised land, but you have to obey me. If you don't obey me, you're not going to, you're not going to obtain the promises of God. In fact, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. Moses, by the way, did not enter into the promised land because in one fell swoop of disobedience, He missed the promise of the promised land. Are you with me? Let me go. I, I can't quit. I got I to give you a couple more. Isaiah. Go over to Isaiah. Everybody, how many of you ever come to a place in your life where you just need the peace of God in your life? Oh, Jesus, I need your peace in my life. Catch this promise. Verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You will keep him in perfect peace. Everybody, peace, peace, wonderful. I need peace, God. Well, you got to keep your mind stayed upon him and trust him. See, there's a condition. There's a guideline. That's a guideline of obedience. Let me bring it, let me bring it on over to the New Testament, and there's a lot more, but let me just show you this in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 6, I believe it is, the first three verses. Ephesians 6, there's a promise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and the mother, which is the first commandment with a, with a, with a what? It's a commandment that comes with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live a long time on your earth. What a promise. 
That came from the Old Testament, by the way. Okay, so the promises of God are there, but we've got to have faith in the God of the promise. We've got to know the promises of God, and we've got to uh, abide by the conditions necessary for those promises to be made manifest in our life. It's the guideline of faith, the guideline of, be, of obedience. They're interlocking. They cannot, you can't separate the two. But just for the sake of your understanding and mind, you've got to embrace these thoughts in order to uh, begin to uh, appropriate the promises of God in your life. And let me say number three, and this is where the Scripture hits over and over again. It's the guideline of endurance. In other words, you can't quit in this process of, of trusting and obeying. The old hymn says, trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. So you, you've got to trust, have faith, and obey the, and you've got to keep it up. You've got to keep enduring the process, if you will. And if you go to Hebrews, there's a couple of verses that, it, that, that are more than a hint towards this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 uh, through 15 concerning Abraham for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself saying surely blessing I will bless you and multiply I will multiply you so after this is reference to Abraham so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise. I wish I'd go back to my notes and remember his basic age. It's hard to me to, but you know, when he got the promise, it was a long time before there it is. 75, and then, yeah, my math's not working, but let me just say this. Let me say it this way. I've said this before. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, there's a large span of time between your amen and there it is. What do we say to the promises of God? Amen. When you begin to appropriate the promise of God, sometimes there's a, a span of time. It's not always instantaneous. Mine was pretty good on the flights. I not only got me a new flight, but I got $91 in my pocket. $91, $91, $91 in my pocket. Hey, hey, I'm telling you, that happened pretty quick. But sometimes when it comes to the more weightier things, there's a span of time. And we must endure the process. Abraham, it says, he patiently endured. And because he patiently endured, what did he do? He obtained the promise. You getting it? Take a couple, take one page for me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of what? Endurance. Somebody say endurance or patience. This word patience is really endurance. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, there's that obedience slipped in, you may receive the promise. We're never going to be beneficiaries and appropriate the promises of God and, and, and begin to see their fruition in our lives 
unless we learn this process of endurance that, no, hey, I'm going to trust him, I'm going to obey him, and I'm not going to press him about his timing. I'm going to trust him about his wisdom and, and how he deals with me and his timetable. And day with the Lord's a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. I don't care if I don't see it. I, even though I don't see it, I trust God. That's what Abraham said when he raised the knife to take his son Isaac. I know Isaac, he, I know he promised me from Isaac his, all the world will be blessed, his seed. So therefore, I trust the promise of God. So therefore, he's now telling me to kill my son. So therefore, when I kill my son, I know God's going to raise him from the dead. There's a lamb in the bush. So see, we have to participate. We have to participate by, as I said earlier, got to know the giver of the promise. And we got to know the promise of the giver. We got to follow the guidelines of the giver of the promise. And the guidelines, basically, you got to have faith. You got to have obedience. And you got to have endurance. They're all undeniably linked together. You can't pull them apart, but that's a way to say it so you can get a hold of it. And so my question to myself and for all of us today is this, and for you that may be watching, are you really participating in the promises of God over your life? God gives promise. Jesus came along in his life and said yes, but we got to come and say amen. I believe it. I trust what he said. I'm going to follow through with whatever it takes to obtain it. And I'm going to keep on and enduring because just like Abraham, I'm going to faithfully and patiently endure and I'm going to receive the promise of God. I am. Are you with me saying that? So wherever you are today, listen. We have the responsibility to appropriate and participate with the promises of God. And my question to you is, are you really participating? Are you sitting on the sidelines coming? Come on, Jesus. You said you're going to do this. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. He's already said yes. He's waiting for us to get in the game and say, amen, I'm all in here. Man, I feel like that's setting up in somebody today. And so today as we close, let's stand together. Let's just let this word set up. Somebody here has just, your whole world has been rocked by this simple fault that demands your participation. Somebody here may even be a little bitter at God because he doesn't seem to be doing what he promised. Today, God's going to move you from bitterness to being better, appropriating this simple thought of participating in the promises of God over you. Today may 
your promises live within us and ultimately be made manifest through us. Give us that divine nature and empower us to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Thank you, Jesus, for your promise. Everybody said amen. There you go. You can trust the promises of God. You can obey the conditions for the promise, and you can endure this and see God go to work in your behalf. Amen. Well, God bless you today. This has been great for me. I hope it. I hope it's been something for you. I'm. I'm encouraged by the Word of God, and I want to encourage you to be back next Sunday. And we're going to keep at it. We're going to keep trusting God. We're going to keep believing God. We're going to appropriate the promises of God in our life. We're going to power up. Everybody say power up. Give five people or three or four people a high five. Say, it's time we power up with the promises. We're powering up. We're powering up. We're powering up. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. Today. Oh, the last Wednesday for Genesis class. So guys, let's finish strong with uh, from creation to the cross, a study of Genesis. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Amen.